for you. Welcome home. This is the Residency Podcast. I am Jeff Tomasic with Drew Belcher and Low Raven, bringing you the biggest guests and stories in entertainment, business, pop culture, and sports from our studio on the Las Vegas Strip inside Mandalay Bay. Make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. You know the drill. We're back today. Absolute legend with us. This one's going to be fun. Entrepreneur, author, and one of the biggest entertainment personalities ever. Host of Bar Rescue, John Taffer. How you doing, man? Welcome to the show. Gentlemen, good to be here. There, there we go. Man. There it is. We might get yelled at, you know. Loosely. I'm there starting it. loose. So there it is. <laughs> yeah, there it is. for sure. It's He's great. in it. Um, well, we were going to start a different, but now you brought us some gifts here. <laughs> yeah, look at and this. And I feel like the only way to start off this podcast is with a cocktail or with a drink. So can you tell us a little bit about Taffer's Brown Butter Bourbon? Sure, man. This is actually a cool story. About two and a half years ago, I'm in my restaurant in Atlanta. Okay. And, you know, I've done 240 episodes of Bar Rescue now. It's a lot, oh, wow. of, a lot of episodes, 12 years. And every episode has five cocktails in it. So we got to create five new cocktails. I mean, how many freaking old fashions can you do? <laughs> yeah. So we got to create new stuff all the time. And I have great mixologists who help around me and stuff. So I took a plastic bag that you do sous vide cooking in. Okay. okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. Boiling yeah, 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 yeah. The, the I, fill, I filled it with whiskey, topped it with brown butter out of a frying pan, sealed it, Put it in water at 150 degrees, left it in there for about four hours. Came back out, put it in a walk-in refrigerator. The butter coagulated on top, yep. skimmed it off, poured it through a coffee filter, yep. and created a drink called the Campfire. Well, we sell a 1,000 campfires a month in this restaurant. People drive oh. for these cocktails. It's the greatest whiskey I've ever tasted. So I realized i got to bring this to market. I've stumbled on something that nobody else has ever done. It's freaking delicious. So we created it, we put it together, and we're launching it literally right now in Las Vegas and in Boston. And then we go national from those two markets. Let's go. And I'm excited for you guys to try it. Yeah, I gotta so, try it for sure. So uh, I'll open this one. Wait, so you, you put butter in the bourbon? So it's, it's brown butter flavored. So what we did is when we did that originally, we'd go bad in 14 days because it had dairy in it. Got it. Got right. it. So we then went to professional flavor houses and we mimicked and created the flavor using natural ingredients. So here it is. And this is Taffer's brown butter. So first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to have you smell it. Okay. We got to do this the right way, guys. This guy, <laughs> this guy sous vide alcohol. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. This guy <laughs> sous vide alcohol. I got some. I got this. Okay, okay, yeah. got it. Okay. Yeah. Food scientist right. John Taffer. Yeah. All right, give a little nose to this. It smells like buttery. It's buttery. Yeah, it's a little sweet. Now, it smells a little sweet, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, now go ahead and give it a taste. Sweet up top, but then there's a punch. <laughs> that's good. Wow, that's yeah. 80 proof too. 80 proof. A lot of the other flavored ones are 70, so the the 80 proof makes it more mixable. Okay, very, very like up well. toffee, very like yeah, very like toffee like vanilla like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got a really good aftertaste. Yeah, I would love this with coffee. Oh, it's amazing with right? coffee. Right, that would be delicious. We make espresso martinis out of them. Ooh, I like They're that. They're really yeah. delicious. Okay, but our, our, probably our favorite cocktail out of it is gold fashioned. Which Gold is a brown fashion. butter old fashioned. Pretty amazing. Gold fashioned. Yeah. Okay, I love that, man. Wow. What do you think, guys? This, this is, is really good. good. I'm so a fan wait, of this. Where, where can people can buy it now in Vegas? Oh, yeah. It's in any liquor world, uh, uh, um, any uh, wine. What is it? Total wine. Total oh, wine. Any, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Any liquor world, any total wine, Got any it. Lee's liquor store. Okay, so they're everywhere. It's all over town. Sick. That's I'm awesome. Really proud of it, guys. It's, it's, yeah, this uh, is really good. I feel like the flavored whiskeys and flavored bourbons really made like a huge splash on the scene. I mean, you have the peanut butter ones, you have yep. banana ones. This one's really, really good. Thanks. So, Thanks. Did, was this like something you always wanted to do, or this just happened and then you said this is the move? That's the amazing thing about it. You never know, guys. I mean, right. I started doing this just for a cocktail. Yeah. And then it got such a reaction that you say, wow, okay, I'm going to take it to the next level. And doing this is not easy, guys. I mean, you got to get the flavors right. Sure. You got to find the whiskey, source the whiskey. Sure. Yep. You got to have the right bourbon in there to do it, right, with the right profile. Then you got to get the glass. Try doing that today, right? So you need yeah. the bottles. Then you got to get the labels and the brand and all the registration and all the compliance. Then you got to get a bottling house to make it for you. Then you got to have a warehouse ship it and wear all under liquor regulations. Yeah. I mean, so then what do you, you mean? It's, it's hard to get a bottle? 
really hard in to these get days now. yes as a, as a producer of product getting glass is not easy really yeah wow. glass is a production issue today and many companies can produce the product but they can't get the glass quick enough now it's getting better a lot of the reason why is most of the glass and bottles that we use in America was produced in China Okay. Oh, wow. So during pandemic, obviously we lost China production. Sure. Right, because they shut down and all that. So a lot of glass manufacturing companies started opening in Mexico as an alternative. Got it. And there are some others scattered around the world. So Mexico has really picked up the slack producing a lot of the bottles that we have today. Interesting. But it's interesting how these little things really affect every industry. Sure, sure, sure. Getting these products now. And I know that one for sure. <laughs> 100%. I'm glad you guys like it. Yeah, I love it's the red. bottle. I love the label. How much impact does that have going into creating a liquor brand with like the bottle design, the logo, the feel? Yeah. You know, if you're invisible, then you're meaningless. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So yeah. I, I take it, I put it on the back bar, step back 10 feet. Do I see that label next to the other bottles next to sure. it? Sure. Got it. Same thing in a liquor store. You want to put it on the shelf next to the products that are going to be next to you. Step back and take a look at it. Yep. Right, and make sure uh, 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 it stands out. It has an identity on the shelf. So even a label color, in this case, it's white with the gold blotches on it, uh, uh, has a real visibility. To sure, it. sure. When you look back, and then we actually have eight different labels. The gold blotches are different on each label, so that's sort of fun. Oh, I love that. Oh, wow. There we go. That's little cool. hidden innuendos. I it love feels that. really authentic, right? Like it feels like a like a. It looks like a whiskey. Feels like a whiskey. It feels like doesn't. It feels like very approachable. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Very thanks. approachable. Yeah. You Super know, Sven, cool. Most people start with an idea and then back into a product. Yeah. We had a product and then we backed into manufacturing. Which is the smartest way yeah. to do business. <laughs> it is, right? actually. Because the customers told me how they felt before right. we even For started. Sure, sure. sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we love this stuff, John. Yeah. It made it a lot easier to do. Less, yeah, less scary, if you will. There we go, yeah. Selling a thousand cocktails is a proof of the, the concept. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? yeah, I would make my own whiskey, buy my own whiskey for all my restaurants. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. That's also a way, to, <laughs> it's a way to do it. By the way, there's also so many celebrities and personalities who slap their names on... Red liquor companies yeah, that yeah. have they have no differences in anything else in the market they have no real passion for they haven't tested it all obviously this is the exact opposite did you feel that when you were launching it did you have to like when people were yeah. asking you about that well you know it's interesting i didn't want to put taffer's name on it okay mm. i wanted it to be another name just a totally non-celebrity non-person's name right and uh, uh uh when my partners or my people went they did market research they hired an agency who came back and said listen we polled people who know who you are we polled people who don't know who you are. Both like the name Taffers. Sure, sure. More nice. than the other kind of names that we had. So we named it Taffer. I did not want it to be a celebrity product. Got it. Yeah. And I wanted it to stand on its own. It's delicious. Taffer's a good and last it, name, though. If it, could it was be Ace Whiskey, it, yeah. should, it should succeed. Sure, right? sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. So, so you'll notice my picture's not on anything. My picture's not on any of the marketing. I'm not marketing it like other celebrities. But you're right. Other celebrities, somebody goes up to them and says, I'll license you a deal. Right, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So they take a deal. They're not in the whiskey business. They have yeah. no passion for it. And yeah. a lot of them fail for that reason. A lot. And I used to run a nightclub and bar convention here in town. So we used to launch a lot of those products for a lot of those guys. Like I remember Timberlake with 901 tequila. That was a tough one. So that that right? There, there were so many. Right? Yeah. And there were a bunch of those. So we put a celebrity's name on. Even the biggest succeed. ones, right? Like yeah. with Drake had his whiskey, oh, Virginia yeah. Black. Yep. It's, yeah, you need like a product market fit and you need a real dynamic that makes a lot of sense. And the product's got to stand on its own. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> well, congratulations. Thank you. Yes. On one of the, on your newest venture to add to your 25,000 other ones <laughs> you have and, and to you guys because this has turned into a nice podcast thank you, you it is thank you cheers Something we never thought it would be you built Absolutely. a nice audience so it's, it's a lot better when we get to start it with with some alcohol that this might be <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean this is how you <laughs> grease the wheels of yeah. the, uh, of Signs the of a good show yeah 100 percent um, so if we leave a few bottles behind, then I'm guessing your ratings will go higher. 100 Always. Absolutely. Always. Always works that way. And if they don't, we can blame it on the booze. And if they do, we can blame it on the booze. <laughs> yeah, Either yeah. way, it's a win. Uh, all right. Let's let's Vegas questions real quick. Yeah. Um, since this is a Vegas show, you live in Vegas. Which I do. I don't know if a lot of people know. You live in Las Vegas for yeah. a long time. Um, can you tell us your all-time best Vegas story? Mm. Or one of them, at least? Yeah. You know, probably my best Vegas story is the one that's the most relevant in my life. All right. Uh -huh. It's not a drunk story. It's not a crazy Vegas story. That's fair. One of those. <clears throat> I was giving a speech at a convention here in Vegas, and somebody comes up to me afterwards and says, Hey, man, you should be on TV. <laughs> no so shit. I went back to my hotel room that night, and I wrote up this thing called On the Rocks. And it was a cross between Kitchen Nightmares and Mission Impossible. And they would drop me into bars, and I would have files, just like the beginning of Mission Impossible, and I'd pull out my experts, right. and then I'd go in and I'd change the world. 
And I wrote this thing up, and at the time, I was a consultant to Paramount for Bubba Gump Shrimp Company, their restaurant. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. So I consulted, had a relationship. So I wrote this thing up. Do I have to be clean on this podcast? No, you can say no, fuck, you can say shit, you can say okay. whatever you want. Perfect. So, so, so I take this write-up to my friends who run Paramount Television, who I know pretty good, and I go to the big board room, and I drive through the big gates, and I sit down, and I show up, and they look at me, and they say, John, you will never fucking be on television. You're not good looking enough. You're too old. It'll never fucking happen. Forget it, man. So I leave Paramount and I say, fuck it. I'm going to do my own sizzle reel. So I created my own sizzle reel. I went to a friend's bar in Hermosa Beach, California. It was empty. The next day it was full because there was a football game. So I went there. It was empty. I screamed at him. I came back. The next day it was full. I was the miracle worker. Oh. Three minutes long. We sent it to <laughs> four production companies in L.A. I got four out of four offers. I was on TV in less than a year, and that friend of mine in Paramount, back then, I don't know if it exists anymore, there was a company that would sell you a, a dozen black roses in a coffin-shaped box. Okay, cool. And, and that's what I said to my friend. Let's go. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. But, and, and then, of course, the real end of the story is what network am I on now? Paramount. Full circle. Full circle. Complete full circle. But, you know, had that person not come up to me in Caesars that day in Vegas and said to me, you should be on TV, man. None of this wouldn't have happened. Wow. So it's amazing uh, 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 what can happen. And then, of course, there's many, many more stories, years of running the conventions and stuff here in town. That's crazy. That's really how that's how that the started. story that started it all. That's the story that started Bar Rescue. Holy shit. And yeah. Paramount eventually got you for a hundred times the price. <laughs> and know? then, uh, 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 yeah, they yeah. pay me a lot more now <laughs> than they did saying. then. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, and, and now uh, two hundred and forty episodes, about nine hundred and eighty million dollars in revenue. That's awesome. And, and uh, so there's a lesson in that, man. Nobody can say no to you, but you. Ooh. That's very true. That's great. Right. And also, that. listen. That's to Had I listened to them, I wouldn't be here. For sure. I mean, I feel like I'm not getting any good advice from people walking on the street. I really need to try harder and, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and get this going. You yeah. know, Buddy Hackett used to tell, you know the comedian Buddy Hackett? Yeah. 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 He was a good friend of mine. He used to tell a joke that he'd be sitting at the blackjack table and he's down 20 grand and the guy sitting next to him says, if you don't double down on 16 and, and he's listening to this guy, about an hour later he realizes the guy has no fucking teeth. The guy's got holes in his sweater. He's telling me how to gamble. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You listen to the guy. Take your own guy. advice, pal. Go ahead. Get on the table. Double it. Yeah, oh for sure. Oh, my God. Well, by the way, there's a lot of those here in Vegas, so I wouldn't 100%. listen to that one. But if someone's going to tell you to be on, be on TV. There should be a, a bit of the, of the pseudo-Vegas expert. Sure. For oh. example, you're flying on an airplane. You're on your way home, coming home here. And the guy behind you is saying... Oh, yeah, we like to stay in Mandalay Bay. It's right next door to win. So we get to walk between the two. Now, they're nowhere near each other. Not right? even close. I mean, he's like, so I love it. He's like the expert. And he's, oh, no. And then, you know, we go up to the top floor of the, the, the and we do everything the guy is saying is wrong. And you really want to turn around versus. Sure. But he is the pseudo Vegas expert. Yes. The expert. <laughs> That's a thing. Been driving around here for 20 years. I know it all. I'll yeah, tell yeah, you it all. For sure. Yeah, we've heard it. I love that. Um, all right, you've got a lot of business under your belt. Obviously, Bar Rescue, one of them. Yeah. Liquor, one of them. Many more. Um, you've started a lot of successful ones, but can you tell us about a business that maybe you did in the very beginning that just didn't work out? Yeah, you know, the, uh, sometimes things change. When I first started in this business, I had the only patent ever issued for music management in a hospitality property. And I'm a fucking nutcase, guys. I paid, I paid a bunch of DJs to take 57,000 songs, put them in keys, energy levels, beats per minute, and then categories of instrumentation, smooth, rough, guitar, blah, blah, blah. And then from these categories of songs, I could create, sorry, I could create a grid where you would play this color into that color into this and all that. And I could take a 20-year-old DJ and make him an expert in 50s music in a matter of seconds, 60s music, classic rock, et cetera. And I called it Music Plan. And the concept of the company, this is years ago, guys, when I first started. The concept of the company was you got a marketing plan, you got a business plan, you need a music plan. <laughs> so, yeah. so that was the premise of the company, right? Because what you play is what you get okay. in today's yep. world. So, so we created this company and w w it became very big. A and we had all the major hotel clients and you know, we're shipping updates and books and materials and, and we're, we're managing all this music for all these venues. And then um, Apple introduces digital music. Motherfuckers. <laughs> Where the computer does everything for you. And that was the end yeah. of that. Yeah. But, but uh, uh, you know, that one was successful for about two and a half years. And then that one went down. Technology sort of left us behind. 
But wow. uh, uh, I've been fortunate, guys. I haven't had that many failures. Yeah, I was going to say, I wouldn't yeah. call that a failure. Yeah, yeah it's still well, successful. It, in for the end, years. it didn't make it very sure, long. Sure, sure. Yeah. Right. But, but uh, it was a cool idea. A great idea, time. by the yeah, way. At its time. Yeah. I mean, plus, like, you really have stayed in like a very single niche, you know, in the F&B hospitality space yeah. for a long time. So every single business partnership you've had has probably lend itself to a helping hand to the next one down the road and so on and yeah. so connections. Well, you know what happens when you're in the same business for the amount of years that yeah. I are? Yeah. All your friends are now presidents of companies. We all are. Sure, sure, so sure. All my buddies who I grew up with in this industry, we're now running the damn industry. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So it's very easy to do deals with each other and communicate with each other. And that's the fun thing that happens in life. If you stay in the same business, in 20 years, you and your peers own that business. Yeah, that's very true. So, you know, when you jump around, you don't get that benefit 20 years later. No, that's very sure. true. And the same as the media. Sure. Right, guys? You look at the media industries, there's a bunch of people in a real circle that tend to control 70, 80% of it. Nightlife in this city. That's with everything, too. It's like the cool kids club. As you start 100%. growing and aging, it's the same. Yeah. Yep, you're absolutely right. And when your buddies become that cool kids club, that's yeah, a, you're good for life. I just want to be in the absolutely. club, dude. That's all. That's you're in it. a circle, bro. I'm in a yeah. circle. I'm in a circle. Good for life. I love it. That's what it is, though. Really, you have to you, you trial by fire each time, and then you do that with people. And there's nothing more like that creates a bond than that when you're going through the ups and downs yourself. And once you get there, right, it's quick text, quick call. Yeah, no problem. I'd rather you than anyone else. Yep. The trick is authenticity. Yeah. You know, yep. if you're really true to yourself, then, then you're not full of shit, for one. Sure. And, and you're consistent. You're the same guy four years from now that you were four years ago. Exactly. Yeah. And that's important to build those kind of relationships. Sure. There's, it's true in so many sectors, but Vegas of all cities is probably the truest in this 100%. city. 100%. Yeah. Sunday Ticket happened through relationships when the Sunday Ticket deal happened. I was running my consulting company. We were based in Chicago and a company called ComSat who manages satellites in, in space for U.S. government. Right. Who did pay-per-view movies and hotels and stuff. They called me up. This is the mid-90s and says, John, I had one sports bar operator of the year. And I had a consulting company. Yeah. They said, John, we'd like you to do an analysis for out-of-market sports programming. That, so a guy in Miami could buy the Dallas signal. Or a guy in New York could, could buy the commander signal. Sure. Whatever it might be. Could you do a feasibility study for us on what the bar industry would pay for such a thing? So we did. They paid me a lot of money. And we wrote a thick feasibility study on how this could work. That people would buy this and do this. And then they, they said, wow, this is really good. Uh, now tell us what the product would look like. So they came back a second time, second contract, second big check, and we started designing what the product looked like. As we were doing that, compression happened. And compression allowed you to get multiple signals on the same transponder of a satellite dish. Before that, when I had my sports bars, I had eight of those big analog dishes behind the bar. Took up a quarter acre of land to get eight games. I had eight of these huge fucking analog sure. dishes. Remember those days? That's yes, the giant ones. Well, now those was. are gone, and yeah. I got one dish on my roof, right? Yeah. That's one third the size. Big fucking deal. Yeah. So, yeah. so compression happened while we were writing that, and then we put together the model of a bar having one dish, getting up to up to you know eight games back yeah, then, it was it seven yeah. games simultaneously, and the whole football and ad slicks on the window. And we designed the whole thing. So then they come back to us a third time and say, you know, this is really cool. Who could we sell it to? So then we write a list of all the restaurant chains and all the people that would do it. Now they have our three pieces of work. They paid us a lot of money for it. And they go to the NFL to get the license to do this. God. NFL says, man, this is fucking great. Let's do it ourselves. And they put me on the board of NFL Enterprises <laughs> and we rolled out Sunday ticket. That's how it happened. What a so fucking like, idea. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, especially as a sports bar. It's like yeah. you need to have every single one of those games on, just the consumer market in each city. Maybe they want to see the Jacksonville game. Maybe they want to yeah. see a Kansas City game. But you in, need to have all of them. But back in then, the original model, you got the local coaches show sure. and the local game yeah. until we got the transponders thing straight. out. And you know the funny part about technology is the fact that you built this and then eventually ended up on an internet streaming service this yeah. coming year. Like, Think about how far the tech has come from when you first talked about the yeah. eight satellites behind yeah. a restaurant to it now not even being on television anymore. It really coming from an yeah. internet streaming platform sure. now. And I'll tell you what the next step of it's going to be. You're going to be able to watch that game and in the bottom right corner of your screen, you're going to be able to do real-time betting. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going, I'm going out years from now. But I think it's going to get to the point that I can actually be playing, watching a game and saying, I bet $100 on the fact that the next pitch is going to be a curveball. Yep. 
I think that betting is going to happen in little bites. That fast. It's not going to be just whether you win or lose the game. Yeah. And it's Live not going to be just by spreads. It's going to really talk into, you know, can you predict the next play? Sure, Is sure. it a pass? Is it a scramble? What are they doing in the next? Yeah. And, and I think that that's where betting volume is going to go in the next phase. And in order for that to happen, and, and by the way, I've never heard anybody else say this, including people in gaming articulating it like I am. But, but I believe that's what's going to happen. And in order for that to happen, you have to be watching it live at the time. Sure, sure. Exactly. Right? And then there has to be an inherent break in the game, allowing people 10 seconds, 30 seconds to get yeah, that next get that play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think that's where we're going to go as an industry. And that goes back to a product from years ago called QB7 that was in bars 20 years ago. We had a little handheld player. Mm -hmm. And you would predict the next play in a football game. Oh, Pass wow. wide left, <laughs> you know, do this, this. Yeah, yeah. And, and you got points, and you played against other bars around the country, and the, the bars that could predict the, the plays of the games would win T-shirts and prizes and stuff like do, that. Do you, the that's where betting, betting needs to go, but how do you do that? There's a timing factor. When does the bet come in? How is the bet paid? So, right? And, and so it's an interesting factor, but if the betting community can go from betting on a game to betting to all aspects within that game, that's again, that changes the entire industry. And then programming and betting has to come together to be at one source. Exactly. Do you think that that's, changes? I'm looking ahead 10 years. That's where I think we're going to go. So like, like if you watch a, a live football game now, right, there are commercial breaks built in specifically for that yep. presentation purpose. So Do you think right that changes? Right online, through your TV, in theory, as you're watching it at home, because now you're streaming, so we have two-way connectivity yeah. in real time. Ma'am, I dropped that bet. Come out of that commercial. I might be betting on the next inning. Yeah. Maybe I'm betting on the outcome of the next inning. Maybe it starts there and then it gets yeah. into place. But yeah. you know, if you think about betting, if I can get a guy who's going to bet once a day on a game win or loss, what happens when I pick apart that game and give him 30 opportunities within <laughs> yeah. that game to bet? Do so, like four seventh inning stretches. Yeah. So <laughs> I think the industry yeah. has to go there. Sure. Yeah. That's the logical progression of where it goes. I've never heard somebody in gaming say that. This has always been my vision the past couple of years. But I envision that you're watching a game. One corner is your bets. The other corner is your wins or losses to date. Another corner is a chat box for you to talk with your buddy who you're sure. with online. Right, and then another one is other games that you have live bets on. And as you're watching this game, <laughs> you're interacting at that level. That's where I think we go. Taffer Tech Industries. Yeah, yeah. trademark it right now. When Mandalay Bay, when a company like MGM can buy a media company like a Viacom, that's when this happens. That connectivity has to happen. But I think, you know, again, this is just me, guys. And I don't think any gaming person has looked at it this way. But as one who's uh, been involved in it from the programming side for so many years, I believe that's where we're going. And that's where the absolute mountains of money are, too. Yeah, mountains, sure. of money. mountains of money. Absolutely. Mountains of money. Imagine dropping 30 bets during a game. And when all the states have actually legalized it as well, it's only even scratched the surface right now. And they're already making money hand over fist. It's insane. Yep. yep. Um, All from your phone. Yeah. Just degenerates. The next generation of degenerates <laughs> yeah, exactly. everywhere. Sorry to my daughter. She's going to be, Dad, Dad, just live betting on Nickelodeon right now. No big deal. Um, all right. Can we talk about Bar Rescue real quick? Sure. Let's talk about Bar Rescue. Um, do not prep for this episode. Get in our bearings with everything you've done. Literally the number one question all over the internet. People want to know, how real is Bar Rescue? All righty, guys. First, of all, I'm going to tell you what happens behind the scenes. Sure. In a second. All right. But on my mother's grave. Yeah. On my daughter's life, nothing is scripted. There are no actors. Nothing is set up. It's completely real in every single way, guys. I swear on my own life. Now, here's what happens in Bar Rescue. I'll give you the scoop. I arrive. We, first of all, we do it in four days. Okay. okay. I arrive the first day. I've never met these people before, never been in this bar before. I sit in a makeup chair. They put makeup on me. My producers come in. They give me a, literally a 60-second briefing. And these guys, Sean and Alan, work with me. Am I, is it, am I being correct? 60-second briefing. One minute. George and Michael own this bar. They're ready to kill each other. They've lost their house. They're about to lose their car. They're in debt 400000 They're losing 10000 a month. They're going to make it two more months. That's all I know. I then go in and do recon. I don't know what's going to happen during recon. I can tell you a quick story, if you like, of, of one of my fun recons. We're in Orange County, California. They tell me the story that the husband's not coming home at night, and the marriage is falling apart. And So I say, well, let me have the wife. Let me do recon with the wife. So the wife gets in my recon vehicle. I got the little screen in yeah, front yeah, of Yeah, yeah, yeah. She gets in a vehicle. She's got a gift bag in her hand. 
Her name was Edith. And I say to her, oh, what's the gift bag? She goes, oh, it's my 14th wedding anniversary. I said, oh, so is that for your husband? She goes, yes. I said, oh, nice. What'd you get him? Oh, Divorce no. papers. Ooh. That's oh. how it started. Cool. I didn't know that. Wow. That's how it started. Wow, so, wow, wow. So I get in the SUV. I do my thing. I don't know what's going to happen, guys. You know, uh, I go in. Either I get angry. Maybe sometimes it's not anger. Sometimes it's sad. Right? Sure, yeah. sure. And, and it's different. At the end of recon, here's what you don't know. At the end of recon, we put everybody in vans in the parking lot. I go in, I design the bar that night. I got about an hour. Oh. I look at the verticals, the horizontals. My team gives me a demographic report that I've designed that tells me who's living in the area. I get another document that tells me what bars are in the area. If there's 30 sports bars in two blocks, I'm not going to build yeah, another sports bar, <laughs> yeah, obviously. Right, right. Yep. Uh, uh, I look at what's in the area. I look at the demographics. I look at the building. I come up with a concept right then and there. So I leave then, that's the end of day one, right? All you guys saw was recon, me storm out. That's yep. The next day we're doing training and stress test, yep. right? It was what you guys see on sure. TV. Yep. Yeah. What you don't see is I'm designing the bar off camera. I gotta pick the bar stools, the wallpapers, the colors. I gotta get the logo done. I gotta get the recipes and the food orders in, the drink recipes and the drink orders in, the uniforms. Everything has to be finished the second day. And if you look at Bar Rescue really carefully, I'm going to give you a little inside secret. Look around the room next, you'll see the bar stools rarely match. And the reason why is I got to get everything in 24 hours. I can't get 60 of the same bar stools in got 24 it. hours. Got it. I can get 12 of these, six of those, right. nine of those. Right, right. So I'm trying yeah. to piece this together, right, and put it all together. And you're just getting from local spot, whatever's and, and around. And people you. who ship it in, but I got to right. ship it in in 24 hours. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I got companies that I can work with and stuff, but you know they don't know what I need till I call them and say right. I need it and I need you to ship it in like two hours. Yeah. I, I need it tomorrow, tomorrow, dude. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so there's that whole pressure. So then you can't get this, so that doesn't work anymore. Now you got to change that to what you can get. By the end of the second day, you see training and stress test. Yeah. Yep. By the end of the second day, the logos to the sign company, the recipes are done, and the orders are in for the food and beverage. All the furniture orders are in. All the trades are set up. Everything is done by the second day. When stress test ends, we go to work remodeling right then and there. So everybody goes home as far as the employees and the owners. My crew then we start ripping it apart at the end of day two. Got it. Day three, you see on TV, I'm training in another location. Yeah. Yep. That's because okay. we're under construction. Sure. Right. Yeah. Right. So day three is a complete construction day and training. Uh, I'm dealing with, you know, changes. We can't get this. That couldn't arrive. John, this is lost in shipping. I'm dealing with all of that bullshit. Right. We don't have enough electricity. The plumbing sucks. The refrigerator. <laughs> so I'm dealing with all that shit and I got no time to fix anything. Yeah. That's all day three. Day four is the reveal. That afternoon, those same vans pull up. They're all wearing blindfolds when they drive up. And we do the reveal. So I do build it in 36 hours. That's crazy. That's a lot. And we do design it when I'm there. I've never met these people there. So I don't know what's going to happen, guys. Here's why I think Bar Rescue has been on TV for 12 years, 240 episodes. I've met a lot of other reality stars who think their audiences are idiots. Sure. Mm. And when you think your audience is an idiot, they're going to see you're full of shit really, really <laughs> sure. quick. Yeah, yeah. Right? I don't think that. Yeah. I think my audience is really smart. So... I don't know anything before they do. Really? Mm. Because, yeah, if you're a jerk, I don't know it till I walk in. I yeah. find that out the same time you do. Okay, cool, the show. cool, cool. So I'm never ahead of you. That creates an authenticity to the show that I think has have kept it lasting. Sure. People aren't stupid. Yeah. And, and then owners, you know, I love this. This is why people even ask, is it real or fake? Yeah. What happens is you're an owner. You look like a total fucking asshole on the show. <laughs> yeah. So what do you say the next day to the media? Oh, man, they made me look that way. The whole thing is fake. They scripted me that sure, way. Sure, sure. Of course you say that because you look like a fucking idiot if you don't. <laughs> but you were the idiot. Yeah. Yeah. The viewer's like, no one could possibly be that much of an asshole. This can't, this can't be a real person. Oh, but it is. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Also, traveling around the country, you can't just find people who can act that well. Sure. I mean, come on. I'm going to find sure. some guy who's going to be able to... On a, when I say cry, cry. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's ridiculous. So it is completely real, guys. And, and the pressure that I feel when I'm doing it is real. That's why I'm such an asshole. I mean, imagine this. If, if I'm doing something that would normally take 60 days in four. Yeah. I'm a raving fucking maniac. You don't got time yeah. to be nice. Exactly right. Yeah. You don't have time to be nice. I'm yeah. in my head every second, Jeff. So, yeah. so I'm under this pressure constantly. I don't have time for you to figure it out, man. You got to figure it out yeah, right, right fucking now. Yeah. So, so that's this pressure that I'm under. And 
they're about to lose their house and shit. I'm their last chance. Yeah. yeah. So I take that really seriously. Not there know? to make friends. You're there to make a difference. Yeah. How, how much pushback do you get from the owners of these establishments to when you go in there and you revamp their entire cocktail menu that they've had for years, you revamp their entire food menu that they've had for years? What kind of pushback do you get from those owners? A lot. Until, mm. until you're on, but I got to say things to them that, that, you know, are very hurtful to them. You know, that cocktail menu that you developed lost you $400,000. You want four twenty? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we got to be really straight with them. I'll tell you what's another thing people don't know that's fascinating. I wear a microphone under my shirt. So do all of them. So at the end of the show, when I get that hug, you can't hear what they say to me because our microphones are covered up. It's unbelievable the shit they say to me. John, you changed my life, man. This is the one that really got me. John, you're the father I never had. Oof. Wow, I'm talking to my kids again, John. My wife loves me again, John. You know, you've given me an up. So that is so powerful when they're crying and they're hugging me and they're squeezing me. It makes me be a bigger asshole next time. Sure, sure. Because yeah. the fact is, yeah, you they go down to go up. Well, they exactly right. Yeah. And and you know, they realize the second day. Okay, he's being tough. But he means well. They're starting to figure me out. Right, sure. right. That I'm not there, you know, to fight with them. I'm there to fight for them. And you're yeah. also pay. Like, so, by the way, you pay for the show. Everything pays for everything, right? The renovations, the new stuff, the new uniforms, the build out, the. And we leave them a food and beverage inventory. Wait, so the owners don't pay for any of the renovations that you Nothing. guys do? Not a oh. penny. Not even like Not payments or anything? Nothing? Wow. What do, you, what do you normally spend on a bar refurbishment? Like the well, it can depend on size. Some right. are bigger yeah. than others, of course. Average, yeah. I guess. Generally speaking, maybe two hundred and fifty to 400000 per. That's incredible. If you look at, at value, you know, what we do. Now, I can't put a price because my own people build it and stuff. So. Of course, yeah. yeah. If I were to send that out to be built, yeah. And, 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 you know, you look it's at the signage packages, all that stuff's a lot of, you know, really expensive. You know, we did one called Champagnes here, which is really, I love this story. We did this bar, this old mob bar in Vegas sure. called Champagnes. It was a famous episode. And we had this old mobster at the bar and stuff. And this place was famous uh, uh, for its wallpaper. And this, uh, so I, I took the wallpaper and I peeled it up. And I found four wallpapers back was this unbelievably flower wallpaper from like the 1920s, like pre-prohibition. Oh. So we peeled enough back that I could get one of the repetitions of it. We took a photograph of it. I sent it to a special house and I had the wallpaper completely reproduced. That's sick. So when we opened that bar, it had the wallpaper it had 100 years earlier on the walls. Oh, that's amazing. That's so cool. That's really cool stuff that we do and we try to build them when we can. That's sick. You know, it, it's fun because we're not just doing a space. We're trying to create a concept. Sure. No, for you sure. So it's, it's fun to do it. Because it comes to obviously second nature to you and a lot of hospitality people like cleanliness and service. Do you sometimes still get shocked? I know that your whole business model is based off on bars and rescues need or bars and restaurants needing rescuing. But are you still shocked when you roll into places and it and it is actually as bad as it is? You know, when I did the show. I said to the network, you know, I was lucky. When I, when I signed the show, I already had some money. So I wasn't desperate. So I had to deal with the network that it would be real. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and they wouldn't send me to cakewalks. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. There would be real people in real trouble. I had no fucking comprehension how bad, how it, bad it could be oh. out there. I was just saying, it's it, shocking. It, it, yeah, it's it blew me away. I mean, it, it blew me away, guys. So, you know, you'd see somebody, imagine this. Guy's in debt $400,000. And he blew his parents' retirement. And he's living in their basement. He's 45 years old. He has no money for his kids. He, his wife, and his kid are living in his parents' basement. He wiped out their retirement, and he still won't close. He's still losing $30,000 a month. Oh. So the depth of failure that I deal with, in the beginning, it was remarkable to me. I mean, guys, in the normal world, we would never come in touch with people with that depth of failure. Sure. Right. Yeah. And if they were in that depth of failure, they would never tell you so. No, yeah. Yeah. of course not. Never. Of course yeah. not. So it's amazing uh, how people walk into these, I'll call you dark holes, and just never have the inclination to step out. You know, Do they apply for the it, show? Or? Oh, sure. Okay, so oh, they yeah. apply for the show. Yeah. Got it. Or somebody in their bar applied. Sure, sure, Very sure. often, it's not the owner. Very often, it's the employee. Manager or who employee. Who reaches out like, yeah. Yeah. This is my only option. I want to yeah. stay here. I don't have another job. Come fix this place. Also, another interesting thing about bar rescues, I'm not going to fight for an asshole. Right. Yeah. I'm not going to fight for somebody who's a jerk. Yeah. So I got to find something to fight for when I get there. Sometimes the owner's a jerk, but I picture his wife and kids at home. They're not. 
now. Yeah. So I fight for them, even though I never met him, because I can't fight for him. He's too much of a jerk. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Or I fight for the employees. Yeah. Who really care, job, and the owner doesn't. Yep. Sometimes the owner's a great guy in a bad place. I, he, I can fight for him. Yeah. But when I go there, it isn't fighting with people. It's fighting for something. Got it. So when I find what I want to fight for, it becomes very real to me. Yeah. Yeah, you, got, you have to have something. And the viewer needs to root for something as well, right? Exactly. They need, root for that person. Yeah, they need to root for that person, their wife, the team, the yeah. whatever maybe. Yeah, okay. um, what if I told you Bar Rescue is completely Shakespearean? Act one, person in trouble. Act two, resists change. Act three, starts to transform. Act four, redeems themselves. Act five, happy ending. It's as Shakespearean as it gets. Yeah, yeah. really is. Yeah. If they yeah. don't have something to transform, there's no show. Yeah. If they don't transform, there's no show. Right, for sure. It's, it's very Shakespearean in a sense. That's why we watch it, because it's so relatable. We all have been through these things in different ways in our lives. For sure. Yeah. You know, moments where we were paralyzed, we couldn't step up, we couldn't defend ourselves, we couldn't this. We, we've all had moments like this. Just most of us can step out of them. Some can't. We had, we had talked a little bit about this before. How many times have you went and completely transformed someone's business in leading, transforming their lives, and they go back to the same shit after you leave? About 30% of the time. 30%? 30. That's so a lot. Imagine this for a second. I come to your business. Wait, three out of 10, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. I come, imagine this. I come to your business. Now, understand, if you're a mental giant, I probably wouldn't be there in the first place. Sure, we'll right. just put that yeah. out there, yeah, right? So I come to your business. I put a brand new interior in. I put a brand new sign up, a new concept, a new name. The recipes match the name and the concept that yep. matches the interior, and all the pieces come together. It's great. You're going to be on national television in 10 weeks. Millions of people are going to see the show. Not only that, Bar Rescue repeats 18 times a year. You're going to be on TV 18 times <laughs> this year in the marathons and yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah. There's not a marketing professional in the world that would tell you to do what this guy does. So I leave the next day. He takes down the sign, takes down the concept, puts the old stuff back. Really? Now, how do you define that? You know, uh, Ron White says there's no fixing stupid, and I hate to right call away? people stupid. But right away. Wait, the so, next day? <laughs> oh, in many cases, the next day, a week later, they take down a beautiful sign that I put up that people are going to come from all around to see, take a picture in front. And they put up the old sign and they do the old things again. That's why pre-pandemic, when we looked at the show statistically, a newspaper did a study, what percentage of Taffer's bars survive? Sure. And they define survive as making it, I think, two years after I left. Okay. Fair definition. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, uh, and I was at 68% success factor. Ooh. And then when we looked at who changed back, about 20 to 30%. So there was a real correlation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some people just guys have thick heads, you know? That's crazy. Or they just have like, like when you know when you're married to something so much because you put every, whether it's failing or not, yeah, you yeah, just yeah. can't see that it should be changed because you swear that your idea yeah. is still the best. Or ego. You know what's interesting? Yeah. I, you know, I look at something like this. It's got my name on the label. It's completely non-emotional to me. If somebody comes up to me with the right check, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. Sure, sure, this is sure. not my child. Right, right, right. I have no connection to any of these businesses. They're all to make me money. Yeah. If you want to give me the money now, rather than years of me making it, you can have the business right now. Yeah. So people get too personal with these things. You know, I say that wall sucks. It's blue. They cry like it's their child. Right. The blue fucking wall. Come on, man. It's a business. Yeah. yeah. Run it like a business. So many times, the emotion of it is what takes them down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They take everything too personally, John. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, it's, it's crazy to, people have to admit that they're wrong and that's hard. That's the fight in bar rescue. That, 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 that's the hard. People have to admit to you and to everyone, their staff, their wives, the yeah. public, but mostly the people there that they're wrong, even though they're in charge and that it needed fixing. Uh, yeah. When I wrote my second book, Don't BS Yourself, Cut the Excuse That Are Holding You Back, that was my New York Times bestseller. That book happened after the 120th episode of Bar Rescue. I'm in Detroit, Michigan. I'm rescuing a bar for a woman that owns this bar. It's right by the Ford plants and right yeah, yeah, in the yeah. car country up there. And every owner, I've always looked at them and said, why are you failing? I ask everyone, but it doesn't always make it to the final cut, but I ask everyone. I looked at her and I said, why are you failing? And she looked at me and she said, John, I'm failing because of the Euro in Greece. What? Detroit, Michigan. In other words, complete <laughs> bullshit. I go back to my hotel that night and I realized, holy shit, 120 episodes. Never once has an owner looked at me and said, I'm failing because of me. Not one fucking time. 
It was always the president's fault, Congress's fault, the weather's fault, the euro in Greece, this, that. <laughs> I mean, they never, ever blame themselves. Wow. For, and then I took it a step further and I said, holy shit, I found a common denominator failure. It's an excuse. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Because if you wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and blame your failure on somebody else, you have no reason to fucking change. But if you blame it on yourself, you do have a reason yeah, to change. Yeah, yeah. So these people wake up every day, look in the mirror, and blame their failures on somebody else, and they dig in deeper and deeper. So I wrote the whole book. So my book, Don't BS Yourself, is all about excuses and how they paralyze us. And what is the definition of an excuse? It's a reconciliation of a fuck up. Sure. I did yeah. something I shouldn't have. I didn't do something I should have. I fucked yeah. up, yeah. so I got an excuse. Yeah. What if we didn't use excuses? What if we held ourselves accountable all the time? Yeah. Right? How would our lives change? <laughs> I guess it's, and it's not only that, if you actually had to tell yourself that you were wrong and fix it yourself, that's hard. But if you can, all you have to do is look at yourself and admit it, and then someone else is going to help you and do it for you. Come on, that's the best scenario anyone's ever going to get. Looking at me, okay, I'm, I'm fucking this up. Yeah. I'm failing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. How do I fix this? But I you're go gonna find somebody yeah. to help me fix it. Because right. normally it's like, okay, I admitted it, I'm wrong, I don't know how to fix it, or I, I need to fix it. And then you're like, you look to fix it, and you're like, I don't, I don't know, know where to start. Now what? Yeah, now yeah. I'm just going to fall back, you know? Versus but today like, with YouTube and everything, there's so much out yeah. there, guys. Everything. You still got to sit and watch it and take notes and like put the effort in. At least for you, you're handing them the golden ticket of you just have to admit it a little bit and then I'll do the rest yeah. and it's don't crazy. turn back like masterclass blows me away I was flipping through social media this morning Ringo Starr just did a masterclass on drumming yeah so I mean you think of the people that are out there that can train you today to learn all yeah. these things do anything you can, literally anything it is you just gotta also only for yeah. $70 yeah. <laughs> 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 70 fucking dollars yeah. dude three easy payments and you're good yeah, you're, you're in there plan. <laughs> you be a drummer yeah. um, do you have like a all-time horror story of one restaurant that you went into that was just absurd like you can't even believe that it was real well there's a few actually yeah I'm sure. You know, there was one in florida that we went into and as i was in the kitchen with uh, nick lombardi the chef the rats were running into our shoes Ooh. no and you'd feel them hitting your shoe the no. side that's of disgusting shoe. It, was, it, was, no. it was unbelievable uh that was pretty disgusting uh uh probably the walkout though uh uh we're doing a bar in council bluffs iowa the famous walkout the bar the name of the bar was o-face so yeah. I should tell you a little something. Yeah, Classic. yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic, and, and dude. They're yeah. real assholes. And, and I'm fighting with these people the whole way. And we go and we watch a uh, security. They have a security thing on disc. So I just drop it in. And then they're not around. And I'm watching the thing. And he, on the, his own security camera, he slaps one of his employees across the face. Ooh. So I say, that's it. I'm not rescuing this place. I want nothing to do with this guy. Yeah. Right. So I didn't rescue the bar. I walked out. And that was the first ever walkout on Bar Rescue. It was a very famous episode. Wow. Then it was another one in Chicago, right across the street from Wrigley Field. It was a cool place. And it was when the Cubs were in the World Series, three weeks before the World Series. Okay, yeah. So the whole city knows Taffer's there. The whole yeah. city knows Taffer's going to rebuild this bar. This owner, I called him Smiling Ed, was the biggest fucking asshole in the world. I said during stress tests, Ed, stress test is going to last an hour and a half. There's only one thing I want you to do for me. You don't have to touch a glass, a bottle, nothing. Smile one time for me during a stress test and I'll be a happy guy. He couldn't fucking do it. So, so, so I called him Smiling Ed. He was such a jerk that I had to remodel the bar because the city of Chicago was watching us. Sure. But when I finished the bar, I'm standing in front with his employees. We threw him the keys and I left with all the employees. And he had a beautiful bar with no employees. He was left alone. So that was sort of a walkout. That's and crazy. and uh, That's but I've seen some crazy things. I mean, we walked into a bar in Austin, and there was a guy hanging on a hook with his back bleeding. You know what I mean? An S and M kind of thing going oh, on. Oh, oh, got it, got it, got it. Okay, he's got hanging got it. on his skin from his back. Uh, uh, that didn't make the episode, thank God. I opened the refrigerator in uh, uh, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You know, sometimes underneath the cooking line, they have those drawers of refrigerators. Yep. Sure, yeah. sure. So, so uh, we opened a drawer. There's a dead raccoon in it. Oh. So refrigerators hadn't run in years. There was another one that we were in. It's, it's absurd. It smelled, it's absurd. It smelled so bad that the chef and I had to pour powdered garlic on the end of our tongue and breathe through our mouths when we were in the kitchen. And still, we could only be in there for about three breaths. <laughs> and, and then we had to get out. So we've seen some crazy things. But here was one of the best ones, and I won't say where it was, and I'm going to get a little little uh, 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 intimate here, if you will. So we're doing an episode, and the episode story basically is the premise that this guy's married, he and his wife work in the bar, and his cocktail waitress is his girlfriend. Mm. Okay. 
and he's like a swinger. The classic story. Yeah, yeah. He's like a swinger, and supposedly he was a swinger with his wife, but now he's married to this girl. She doesn't want to swing anymore, so he's not doing it anymore. He's telling her he's doing it straight, blah, 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 and she's crying all the time because she thinks he's with her and all that. So I'm beating on him. He's got to be a good husband. Look at his wife. She's over in a corner crying. She's trying to be a good girl. She's trying to this, blah, 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 blah. We're doing this whole thing. Three days later, same story. I'm sitting in the room, and I'm watching the videotape, and the, it's got the three of them on it. And they're on the oh. table in the kitchen going at it. And it was only two days uh, earlier. So, oh, so, my God. So the things you see in my business can be quite exciting or quite disgusting. Sure, my, sure, sure. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder, like, you must get the rundown of, like, here's the cities that I'm going to. And you got to just be one. Is there a city that has just been the most problematic for you? Well, we actually, I'm going to get myself in trouble. A region. Yeah. We actually rate cities on what we call the ass quotient. Sure. Yeah. Now. A lot of times in Bar Rescue, I'm standing in the sidewalk and there's a camera in front of me and microphones and I'm doing an interview. You guys see those moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, Joe's got to come together, blah, 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 blah. And we do those out there. Now, nine out of ten times, hundreds of cars will drive by. Nobody says a word. In Austin, Texas, every fucking car honks when they drive by. <laughs> they scream and yell and they try to ruin your scene any way that they possibly can. That's sick. Only in Austin, Texas does that seem to happen. So, you know, my crew would tell you which city's the biggest assholes in the world. They will tell you there. I won't. I can see that. Cause, cause I can I'm see gonna, that. I'm taking a neutral step down the yeah. middle of this sidewalk. But the point is, when you go to that city, you can't get a scene outside. It's unbelievable. All other cities you can. Typically, maybe one out of 100 cars screams or something. Yeah, yeah that's fair. That would have never happened in Dallas, by the way. Yeah, just Austin. <laughs> just Austin. Dallas was a great city to Love shoot Love fucking in. Dallas. Yeah, me too. Love Dallas. Great city. Um, all right, well, let's, let's go to the flip side. What are the top five cities in America with the best bars and restaurants? Well, I got to start here. Let's go. Yes, let's go. go. Las Vegas. <laughs> when you look at the corner uh, that you're next to, uh, uh, where MGM and... and uh, ever, there's more alcohol, there's more hotel rooms on that corner than the city of San Diego. Yeah, sure. First of all, that one intersection. We give away more alcohol than most cities sell. Wow. Oh, okay. When you consider all the comps yeah. and sure, the gamers, sure, sure. we give away more alcohol in the city than most people sell. Yeah. So then you take a look at the nightclubs in this city. You know, I used to run a nightclub and bar convention and we would do the top 100. Yep. yep. Right. And those were the highest grossing. The top 20 and the top 100 were always in Vegas. Sure. So when you yeah. look at an excess, $80 million a year. Sure. You know, a marquee, $90 million yeah. a year. You look at in Italy, you know, they're going to do $65 million fucking dollars this year out of that one place. This is fantasy land, guys. Yeah. This yeah, doesn't yeah. happen any place else in America. The only place that you could say comes close to this would be Orlando. Really? Oh, right, wow. on the Disney property. Oh, got it. Because, okay. you know, Rainforest sure. Cafe, and sure. those, they can do some pretty big numbers in Orlando. But nobody can touch Las Vegas. When you look at the dollars that we do, the amount of seats that we fill, the spend that we create, the amount of alcohol that we sell, we lead the pack. Vegas has the greatest nightclubs in the world. Yep. Mm -hmm. But I'll say something. I'm going to get myself in trouble here. We don't have the greatest bars in the world. It's not a bar town. No, yeah, no, it's not it's a bar town. Not, it's not. But it needs to be. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But it needs to be. As we evolve as a city, we need more great bars. Are you talking yeah. about in the local market or on the boulevard? A little of both, okay. actually. No, no. A little of both. Okay. You know, you look at it, a lot of the uh, uh, hotels have great nightclubs in sure. them, but they don't have great bars yeah. in them. They're after meeting environment, yeah. that mix and mingle kind sure. of environment, yep. if you will. So I'd like to see that, but I think the greatest nightclubs in the world are here in Las Vegas. Yeah, oh, no question. Sure. I think some of the greatest bars in the world are probably in New York. Sure. You know, employees mm -hmm. own a couple of yep. great bars because New York is not a nightclub town. Yeah. New yep. York is much more of a bar Small, town. Right. Yeah, intimate. Yep. Uh, uh, so, you know, I, I would pick the those two, Miami can be a little both, great bar town and a great nightclub town, but Miami has a huge, you know, Latin influence. Sure. Yep. So, you know, that's prevalent in most of the music, most of the nightclubs down there. That's part of the personality of that community. For sure. When you get to Vegas, you know, we, we tend to be a little more neutral ethnically. Right. Yeah. You know, we sit more in that, that middle spot, if you will. New York tends to sit in that middle spot. Whereas other cities can be a little more ethnically slanted based upon their population. Right. For yeah. sure. But, you know, Vegas is, is to me the standard. Look at restaurants. I mean, every great chef in America has got one here. They all yes. want to come here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because they're going to do twice the volume here or three times than they do in their own. And they never have to be here. That's right. Slap your damn name on it, dude. Yeah. You never have to show up. Once right. a year. Yeah. That's it. That's all it. right, so you got Vegas, New York, Miami. I need two more. Austin, Boston. Texas. Boston. Ooh, okay. Boston is a great bar town. The Cheers. Yeah. Right? Ooh. Came from Boston, that whole premise. Uh, the first bar in America is in Concord. 
Massachusetts, okay. yep. right? That's a bar middle. town. That's a bar crowd for sure, Boston. Yeah, Boston for sure. Yeah, absolutely a bar yeah. crowd. You know, beer drinking, yeah, very yeah, New yeah, England. That's a bar crowd. So I would say Boston as well. And I owe you one more? Yeah. I would say San Francisco. Oh. Now, six months from now, who knows if that city is <laughs> going to be there with what's going on up there. But, <laughs> yeah. but right Don't now, worry, this episode airs this week. San Francisco's yeah. got a very hip culinary they scene do, going do, up yeah. there for sure. Okay. Sick. That's a good list. Yeah. That's a good list. That's a solid list. What is a bar concept you haven't seen that someone should open? You know, it's funny. We're actually playing with a couple of these ourselves to play with them. One is a robotic concept. The technology exists now. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, you know, that's something that we're taking a hard look at. You know, I think that, that uh, uh, fantasy bars, which would be bars that have LED walls that can put you anywhere. Right. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. So cool, I can cool. make a beach bar in the Caribbean. I can put you in the top four of, of the Transamerica Tower in San Francisco. Yep. You know, that, that we, environmentally shifting bars. I think we're going to see media brought into bars much more in these next few years. Sure. Yeah. I think yeah. walls are going to come much more temporary, much more interactive. Environments are going to change as the evening progresses and such. You know, something happened years ago that was very, very powerful in our industry when imagery and light came together. Now, you see that it's night's games on the ice with the lights that they yeah. have. You know, years so cool. ago, you had video yep. and you had lights. Yeah. yeah. And the two were not the same. Well, now video and lights are the same. I can project moving imagery yeah. all over. So, you know, that's a really powerful uh, technological advancement that sports arenas are picking up on. But the hospitality industry hasn't yet. I yeah. think that's the next phase. I think they will. There's yeah. a very cool uh, restaurant in Chinatown called Partage. It's a French fine dining restaurant, and they just opened a concept next door with the full immersive four walls with videos, like you're in France and dining on the beach. It's really, really cool and super immersive. Yeah. Really expensive, but it's a very, very nice concept. Yeah. So very I saw cool. a business That's plan tight. for one where, where you're in a French Bordeaux, so it has a French wine tasting yeah. and French cuisine, and the chef is a visiting French chef that night. Oh. The next day you come into the restaurant, it's Italy. And you're having fine Italian wines, and there's an Italian chef there oh, who's that's been cool. imported. That's cool. You see it out. And, and what wow. you're doing is you're creating it, sure, because people come to certain things right, and certain. Yeah. And, and you know something like that is really neat. It's not easy to fill something seven days a week if it's the same every day. Yeah, you're right. Mm. If you can change it a little, yeah, and create differences, it becomes easier to fill it. For sure. I like that. Okay. We got some contests for you, people. If you're not listening right now, yeah. We also saw something, uh, uh, Sean Walker and Al Walker up there are with me with my company. We were at a restaurant equipment show a few weeks ago and I saw something that blows me away. This company takes beer and they extract all the water out of the beer. So now that big keg of beer, it's now about this big, about the size of this liquor bottle. Okay. They now hook it up into your system. You have filtered beer with just the right carbonation rate and everything, and it reconstructs the beer when you come out of your beer Whoa. tower in your, in your bar. So the big kegs disappear, the weight, all of that disappears. Going bad disappears, rotating stock disappears, all of that. That's now, insane. When I Astronaut saw, beer? When I saw it, I said to myself, <laughs> I'm not sure the world is ready for powdered beer yet. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. But I gotta tell you, when you drink it, it's just, it's fucking beer. Tastes the same. Tastes oh, exactly the same. So, so uh, I think that that's going to be a really powerful thing. It all starts as powder anyway. Really. The crushed barley and hops and malt and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I if agree. no one knew the difference, no one would ever. Yeah, you, you can't taste know. it. Yeah. yeah, you can't taste it. If it's good, it's good. It's underneath the counter. You don't see the powdered bag. Yeah, 100%. You're going to start doing goddamn Keurig pods of beer, dude. you see the movie The Founder, the, the McDonald's movie? Of course. Where they had the powdered milkshakes, you know, yeah, and they yeah. try to change it? He's like, I'm not going to do that. Now we're full circle again. Wild topic. All right, we need to know. John Taffer. What is your stance and what are the rules on tipping? Aha. Well, my rules on tipping have changed post-pandemic. All right. I was always a 20% tipper. Even if I didn't get great service, I tended to leave a good tip. Right? But I would tend to, to in attitude, let the server know that maybe I wasn't that thrilled. But my attitude is whether that server gave me a good experience or not doesn't change the fact that they have a kid at home. Yeah. Mm. Right. So sure. I've always accepted the responsibility that if I'm going to take up their real estate at their table, I'm going to take up the them. real estate thing. There's opportunity tip cost. Them. You're tipping for, for opportunity sure. cost. Exactly. I'm taking up their space. Yeah. I, I, I owe it to tip them unless they're complete jerks. Right. You know, and, and but mistakes don't make you not worthy of a tip. Sure. Yeah. Attitude might make you not worthy of a tip. If you right. don't give a fuck about me, maybe and that's the case. Post pandemic's a little different. I'll tell you why. We struggled to get our employees back. Okay. The employees that did come back were short staffed. So they were in pressure cookers. They had more tables than they used to, not yeah. as many cooks as they used to. Sure. So the ones who came back had a really hard time fighting it through because of the ones who didn't come back. Right. 
to me, they're the unsung heroes of my yeah, industry yeah, yeah. right now. The ones that came back. So I'm up to 25% now uh, on everyone all the time. I have great respect for the people who have come back to work. And, and you know, I hope the ones that haven't come back to work are inspired by my 25% to do so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, Because we need people to come back to work. Yep. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, so I'm a big believer of it. Look, guys, you know, years ago, TIPS, you know what TIPS stands for? To ensure prompt service. That's is what that true? Is that yeah. real? Is that, that real? Thing? Years ago, in the early days of America, when that's trademarks. <laughs> years ago, years ago, in the, in, the, in the pioneer days of America, when you went into a restaurant, there was a box in the front of the restaurant, and you dropped a nickel or a dime. Back then, that was all you, you know. You had to drop it uh, into the box on the way in, and it was to ensure prompt service. Sure. So you were treated with a bit of a priority when you dropped it in the box. It, it then evolved to become an after-the-fact thing. But, you know, let's keep in mind, people that work in restaurants often don't make the same hourly wage that non-tipped employees For make. Sure. So yeah. they're relying on those tips. They're not making those tips above a normal wage. Those tips is what makes it a normal Absolutely. wage. So I think we all need to step up for those employees. I'll tell you about what tipping gets me. A and uh, these payment companies... I go into, I, I love this one, I go into a Starbucks and I, I go to put on my credit card and it asks me, am I going to give my, my coffee guy, my barista, what the hell do they call them? Barista. 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 Thank you very much. <laughs> am I going to give my barista 10%, 15%, 20%, and 25%? Now the barista is staring me down as I'm holding this thing oh, in my hand. This is the moment. It's so awesome. So it answers your questions moment. for me. Yeah. Now, yeah. Now, that was amazing, but here was one that got me. I own a bus. And uh, I paid a guy to come detail my bus. So it's $700 to come wash and wax a bus. Okay, that's what it costs. So I'm standing in the driveway. I'm putting it on my credit card. He gives me the thing, and what pops up? Tip. You're going to give the guy 10%? So I'm going to tip this guy 20% of $700 to wax my fucking bus? No. <laughs> but he's staring me down as I'm holding this thing. It's gotten out of hand. It's gotten out of hand. It's it gotten has. out of hand. And what's happening is we're going to start to antagonize people with tipping everyone. And then the ones who should be tipped are going to be held accountable for that attitude, and yeah. they're going to receive less tips. You're right. So I really don't like it. And, and you know, those people uh, in those other businesses are paid as if they're not tipped. Sure. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the guy's going to paint your house. Yeah. You're going to give him a credit card, and he's going to put a 20% tip on it. It's you, getting ridiculous. You are prompted to tip now in pretty much every scenario yes. that, you, that you yeah. check out in. Almost every scenario. Yeah. There's, when's the last time you checked out and you weren't asked a tip? It really doesn't exist anymore. For sure. So it's... it's, it's a, it, it, Where are we drawing the line, John? Well, it's antagonizing us to the point that we're yeah. going to hold the people who's, who should be tipped yeah. for it. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. I have a story from about maybe... T when did your first book come out? Do you remember? Was it 10 years Ooh, ago? 11 about, years yeah. ago? Okay. So do you, do you remember Tris Nightclub? Of course. Okay. So you, I think you would... I did a, a book signing event there. Well... We're going to get right into that, John. Okay. <laughs> I actually worked at the book signing. I, I worked at Trist Nightclub and XS okay. Nightclub, uh, and we had a banquet. So we had to come in early, obviously. Get there early. Do the banquet. You were great. At the end of the banquet, by the way, we're getting paid banquet fee, which was great for winning yep. Encore. We're getting outrageous culinary union pay, which was like $18 an hour. We're also getting tipped on the thing. We already knew yep. what we were making from your, your yep. banquet, which was great, by the way. And what people don't realize is if I go in with free liquor, you guys as the union get paid for every glass you pour. That's yeah, a yeah, yeah. Fee. We got paid outrageously. So even at, though I'm not paying for the liquor, I'm still paying for you guys to pour it. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. at the end of the banquet, though, John, I think there was maybe 13 or 14 of the staff, waitresses, and, and us you walked around to every single person and you busted out a fat wad of hundreds and you gave all of us a hundred dollar bill at the end. Is that like, is, is that a custom to you? Do you feel pressure now being famous and in the industry that you have to tip so well? You know, it's, it's maybe, maybe, you know, I was, I have a boat. Also, I'm blessed yeah, guys. I have a boat. I'm on my Marine a couple weeks ago <laughs> yeah. and I tipped the guys and one of them comes up to me and says, you know, John, you, you're way too generous with us. Yeah. And you know, I'm blessed guys. I have a few dollars in the bank. These are ways that I share it. It was great. Somebody does right by me, I, tend, I like to share it. So, you know, I, I, it, it's, it's an attitude yeah. of a way to say thank you, but a way to say, you know, I'm lucky, guys. I've been blessed. So spreading it around a little is a good thing. Especially you, right? When you, when you do go to a place and you're just a patron, right? Like, does it, is it hard for you not to judge it like you're working? Or do you just kind of... No, I'm pretty good at turning it off. Yeah. I'll yeah. tell you what gets me, though. Often I'll go to places and then they, they comp me. 
un, un, unasked for unasked, a they can't yeah. So then what I'll always do in those cases is I'll, is I'll figure out what it would have cost. So let's yeah, say it's yeah. a $200 dinner that they caught me on. So I'll leave the $200 at yeah. the table for the tip. There yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah. That's so a classic. I'll always yeah. match the dollars and just move it over to the yeah. employee. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the way to do it. it that's, the, that's the Vegas way to do it as well because comps here are just yeah, like everywhere. Yeah. yeah. The great part too, it leaves an impact. Like this guy remembers that from ten years ago, right? I remember, right? Yeah, yeah. that's really cool. Because I never seen any dude. We had hosted tons of celebrities at XS and Tris, and no one's ever done that. Wow, that makes me feel great. Well, also not to thirteen or fifteen of us employees. Yeah, maybe (laughs) one. Yeah, Yeah, maybe like one or whatever. Guys came through for me. You busted out a wad. I don't know if you hit the ATM before, hit the tables before, (laughs) but it was a fucking wad. He was feeling happy. Yeah, he was feeling happy. All right, we have we have a couple rapid fire questions. It's what I call a New York wad. All singles with a few hundreds. Yeah, I like that. Now you know the secret. John, I saw it. It was it wasn't ones. It wasn't. It was fourteen. It wasn't ones. Yeah. Um, all right. What are the most important foods bars should have on their menus? Well, statistically, chicken wings, obviously, and hamburgers are the two biggest things that you need. To so, have. chicken wings, hamburgers but, are number one, number two. The, the, and what customers buy? Sure. Yeah, those tend to be the highest things. You know, but but uh, today, look, you can, you can do a lot of things today. You can do Asian bars. You can do Italian bars. Yeah. You know, you can really play around with it. Yeah. and have some fun but you know if you look nationally it's pretty tough to be a mainstream bar and not have a good burger and chicken wings sure yep is that is that really that, yeah i guess those are the two mainstays right wings yeah. wings you know, slash tenders wings, you know chicken wings in the 50s were thrown away really so chicken wings were, were a piece of the chicken that nobody would buy nobody would use and they were thrown away and some guy in buffalo new york true story wow. got this idea you know i'm throwing these fucking things away i'm gonna i'm gonna so he created buffalo sauce and now chicken wings got you know during the pandemic got up to almost a dollar a piece they were expensive yeah but they were thrown away they were trash years ago and, and now of course they're a staple of the industry what a genius that guy is <laughs> yeah. huh oh my god we might ruffle some feathers are you a wing guy or a drum guy oh, i'm a wing guy okay so flats so flats. flats over drums well, okay tomorrow. All right, that makes yeah, you can't really order. You know, that's I'm more of a drum guy, but yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll eat the drums. You can have the flats. There you go. Oh, okay. Yeah. So actually, I do the whole thing. But, yeah. But, yeah. Okay, both. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Low mix. All right, that's fair. Um, all right, what's the biggest red flag when you walk into a restaurant or bar? Smell. Ooh. Okay. Smell could be. I'll tell you something else though. Next time you sit at a restaurant, pick up the salt and pepper shaker. See if it's greasy. Oh, disgusting. They just don't clean well. Yeah. If they don't clean them, a good restaurant cleans them every night. Sure. Yep. So every night they're clean, they're refilled, they're left that way. If it's greasy for two, three days, I wouldn't eat there. Oof, that one little disgusting. measurement can be pretty powerful. Yeah, I feel like you kind of know immediately when you walk into a restaurant if you shouldn't be there or not. Yeah, because yeah. the standards don't exist. Yeah, yeah. You obviously. Just, you can't be there. Uh, by the way, we live in a town where that never ever happens to me, really. I never walk into a place and leave. I might not like the food, but I never walk into a place and I'm like, this is disgusting, I'm leaving. Maybe I'm just picking, maybe it's places that I choose particularly. Yeah, for sure. Me, oh, it but, tastes a little different. Love to Vegas for that. A little love to Vegas for that, you yeah. know? Um, what was it like doing that Shark Tank spinoff Big Brain with Dave Portnoy? Well, Portnoy, first of all, Dave and I are buddies. We go way back. Yeah. yeah. So I did, I did Blog Rescue. It's got to be 10 years ago with Dave and Big Cat. Really? Oh, wow. And we did it. It's on their website, Blog Rescue, where I screamed at them for blogging about uh, um, Bieber. Okay. And I'm screaming at them. What is the name of your site? Barstool Sports. Barstool what? Sports. Sports. What, what the fuck is with Bieber? Yeah. <laughs> right? So I beat the... It's on their website. It's hysterical. So that was the first thing I ever did with them 10, 12 years ago. And then Dave and I have kept in touch over the years as we both, you know, sort of both became successful at the same time. Then my pizza review... Oh, was, right. Yeah. Was, uh, he still claims was the best pizza review they've ever done. Sure, sure. And I'm told I'm the only one who's done two pizza reviews. So I'm pretty close to, to Barstool, and we've come up a long way. That was a lot of fun yeah. to that awesome. show. So those that don't know, we did a show on Barstool, sort of like a Shark Tank is yeah, kind of a yep. show, where entrepreneurs came in and pitched us with ideas, and we would invest in those ideas. And uh, it was fun. Do you, you have a win? Did you have, a, did you have an investment that worked? There was one investment that I looked at with these uh, um, vapes that were energy vapes that looked really cool. So what it was, was it was ginseng or whatever in a vape. It looked like a tobacco or a cannabis vape, but it wasn't. Yeah. Right. So it was energy that you vaped and you felt it right away. It looked pretty cool, but they were a little flaky. just didn't didn't work out. The idea was good though. though. The idea, if you're a truck driver or something, you just take a puff of your energy thing as you're driving. You're good to go. Yeah. That must've been a fun show though, getting to do it and getting pitched. It's fun to do it with Dave. I like that. Yeah. You and Dave had some times together, I'm assuming? We've had some fun together over the years. <laughs> there you go. Uh, all right, last one. Food and alcohol trends that you want to see disappear. Huh. I'm not sure that I'm against any trend. Okay. Mm. okay. 
I'm against things that last. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that shouldn't. Sure. All right. But trends are good because it gives a, a, a new idea an opportunity to see if it flies or not. But what I say is trend rhymes with the word end because every trend ends yeah, typically. Just sure. Sure. Yeah. Some don't. You know, so, so when I look at the kind of things th that uh, uh, I'm not sure I have an answer to that because I'm really pro every new idea you can think of. I must tell you, when somebody came out with peanut butter whiskey, I mean, that to me was incredibly disgusting in premise. Sure. Yeah. And then smelling it and tasting it and all that. But you know what? It's a great idea and he's selling it and it's great. You know, another friend has the banana whiskey. We talked about it earlier. Yeah. On surface, banana whiskey, it sounds awful. But it's, it's yeah, delicious yeah. and it's sort of fun. And sure. So you know, it's hard to, to, to kill any idea that could, in, in essence, right. in the end, pollinate. You That's know, very turn true. into something. I like that. Very positive. I'll tell you, though, the one trend that I do hate is the we, phone. We want it, yeah. Phones. Phones. You see, the great thing about bars is interactivity. Yeah. You know, guys, you can go home, program your satellite dish, watch whatever the fuck you want. You can buy whatever cocktails and mixers, drink whatever you want. You can go on DoorDash, Uber Eats, get whatever you want to eat. You don't need me to feed you. You don't need me to give you drinks. And you don't need me to entertain you in video anymore. You know, when we did Sunday Ticket in the beginning, it was just in bars. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You wanted to watch the game, you had to cut nothing anymore. You got it at home. So, so why do you come to me then? If you can eat the same food at home... You can drink something even better at home. You can watch exactly what you want to watch, listen to exactly what you want to listen. Why would you come to me? Yeah. Because of social interaction, because of the human connection. And I think we all learned during the pandemic how much we missed that. Sure, mm -hmm. sure. Right when it was taken away from us. So the greatest asset that a bar has is the interconnectivity of people the social environment that it creates. When people sit there and stare at their phones all fucking day, there's no social environment anymore. The whole point of a bar is to look in each other's eyes. Sure, yeah. sure. Not our phones. Yeah. So I worry about that. And then I look at bars that put kiosks in the front of the house where I'm not even seeing a server anymore. I'm now ordering through a kiosk. I'm sitting on my phone the whole time I'm there. The fact that I'm here is consequential. The environment yeah. means nothing to me. Yeah. The employees mean nothing to me. The place means nothing to me. We're taking the personality out of the industry. But what makes the industry great is its personality. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. You got to find the balance now. Someone's got to figure out how to merge yeah. them both to make sure. Now, in our Taffer's Taverns, and we're just a couple weeks away from a big Vegas announcement, guys, we'll let you know when. I want to know. Yeah. Matter of yeah. fact, we'll come back. And talk about it when yeah, we announce If you want to do some breaking news right now, you're more than welcome. Uh, we're close. <laughs> we're close. We're close, but not yet. Right. But, you know, in Taffer's Tavern, I have unbelievable technology in the back of the house. Sure. Everything is cooked by computer and automated and all of that. But no technology in the front of the house. I want my servers looking in your eyes. I yeah. want human connectivity. Right. I never want to put technology between me and human connectivity. A lot of other restaurateurs are jumping on, on the technology. Yeah. I just worry that uh, we lose our connection For sure. when the human element disappears. No That's reason true. to come back. You, yeah. know, you right. might come once, but you, right. you don't come back. Look, a great server, a great bartender gets you Change back. Change the game. Oh, always. Oh, my. Change always. The game. In my restaurant company, everybody has the same job description. It's three words. Everybody. It doesn't matter if you're a cook, hostess, or anything. Three words. Get them back. That's what we do. We it's get people game. back. We have That's this, perfect. We have the same theme here at the podcast. Yeah. Get, yeah. Them get them back, back to the Get next them episode. back. <laughs> John, thank you for coming, man. We really this appreciate fun, it. Guys. This episode was it. awesome. Thank you. Everybody, drink the booze. Watch the show. Get the book. John's the man. We appreciate it. And we're looking forward to the Vegas restaurant. Yes. We love that. We'll thank there. you for giving back to the city, opening another venue. Guys, Renzi Podcast. We'll see you next week.